It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, Phil's Mafia? Welcome into a special Monday edition of Shout a Buffalo Bills football podcast. He is Ryan Talbot. I am Matt Perino. And we are bringing you our 53-man roster projection special. The article is going to run at Syracuse.com and NewYorkUpstate.com tomorrow, Ryan. But this is kind of like a fun end of the spring activity. We kind of started to dabble in it the other night at Wingnuts, which, by the way, was an epic night we got the um park city bills backer of park city now represented on the backdrop they gave us a hat they gave us some stickers uh it was an awesome night we talked about three roster bubble players if you will and today we're going to get into the actual projection then and you and you sent the the emoji uh, the little chili pepper there it's a it's a little bit of a firecracker yeah i love it i you know i got a sneak peek of it here like you said coming out on the site on tuesday so uh love checking these out because when we compare them a lot of the times when it's all said and done after training camp uh they're pretty comparable but you had some great ideas in yours that i can't wait to kind of break down and get into so let's start with the offense and we're going to obviously skip over quarterback because we get we got it's going to be two josh allen kyle allen they're good buddies matt barkley spent most of his tenure with the Bills on the practice squad. So I, I'd imagine he'll land right back there. And so now we get into the skill position players, and I think it's really interesting. They go out and they can draft Dalton Kincaid. They draft a wide receiver. They bring in two wide receivers. They bring in two running backs. There's a lot to parse through here, but let me set this up. So between the three groups, I have them keeping 13 players, six wide receivers, four running backs, and I'm counting Reggie Gilliam in that group. We'll get to that in a moment. And then um, six wide receivers, four running backs, and three tight ends. The tight ends, I don't think, are, are much of a surprise. We don't have to spend a lot of time on that. Dalton Kincaid, Dawson Knox, Quentin Morris, who I do think plays a vital role on special teams, as does Gilliam, which I think puts them both in the driver's seat. And Not to mention, Ryan, Quentin Morris has played some valuable snaps for them last season. So in a pinch, if somebody gets hurt, they want to run a lot of two personnel or 12 personnel, they're going to want another tight end that's ready to go. And I think Morris kind of fits that bill. Yeah, Morris fits that. Uh, I feel like they've also put a lot into him in terms of his development. And while it's a possibility, they could try to sneak him onto the practice squad. They could try to maneuver him in that way. I feel like that's too much of a risk for them because, like you said, the 12 personnel, they're running the two tight end packages. The fact that they've, they've been trying to bring him along and develop him and he plays a vital role on special teams, you want to have that third option because there's no guarantee that you're going to get Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid uh, for every game th this upcoming season. Obviously, uh, Kincaid is coming off of a back injury that he suffered in college. Now, mind you, he has the full go, the clearance, uh, but that's still always something to, con you know, you're concerned about. Uh, Knox has missed some time in his career, a game here and there. So it, it would be smart to keep three tight ends in this scenario. 
You got the three tight ends and you got four running backs. And obviously I already mentioned that Reggie Gilliam is one of them. So that would mean somebody else is out. And they obviously brought in, you know, Latavius Murray, Damian Harris. They traded for Naheem Hines last year. James Cook is going on, um, you know, uh, the national interview circuit, calling himself RB1 as he should. I think that he's in line for the featured back role. So that leaves an interesting situation. I, I think that they love what I think Murray brings in the locker room. Damian Harris is that one B to cook. I think in in the style that he plays, he's a younger running back. They're giving him a one year kind of prove it deal. Ryan, with the change to the kickoff rules, I think this might leave Naheem Hines kind of standing out in the cold. And I don't think we're going to get to cut down day and see Naheem Hines not make this 53 roster. I think that we're going to see him get traded and the bills try to get some type of asset back for him that they gave up to Zach Moss and a fifth round draft pick to get him at the deadline last year. And it's, this is not a indictment on Heinz. I just don't know if currently how it's constructed and the, and the way that you can find running backs, if it's just not a numbers game and he's just the odd man out. Yeah. And you know, at wing nuts on Friday night, he was the player that I said needs a really strong summer to show that he belongs on this 53 man roster. And when you look at his game, they brought him over and yes, the kick return punt return, uh, aspect was part of the trade, but it, it felt like, based on everything we heard, they wanted to get him heavily involved in the offense, and it just didn't happen. He had nine offensive touches uh, after getting acquired at the trade deadline. And, you know, what does he do best in offense? Catch the ball out of the backfield. Well, they already have James Cook, who's supposed to be able to do that really well. That was, you know, when he was in the draft last year, he was the best pass catching back in the draft, according to a lot of the draft analysts. So you already have a guy there. Uh, you want to have those tough runners and you have Damian Harris that you bring in and, you know, he, he's been very solid over his tenure with the, the Patriots, but he's missed some time with injuries. So you want to have someone that's kind of waiting in the wings that can also serve in that role. And that's where Latavius Murray comes in. Murray's another guy that's had 500 yards rushing or more every season, minus his rookie year. Uh, someone that you can depend on in, in a platoon, in a uh, situation where you want to give him a few carries here and there. So it, it does put Naheem Hines in a tough spot where he needs to show out this summer. He needs to maybe uh, be that player that says, listen, there are these new kickoff rules in place, but I can do better than putting it out at you know, the, the 25 yard line or whatever the case may be, I can help you on punt returns still, but I can be an asset on offense. And if he proves his case this summer, I feel like Latavius Murray is a player they could potentially sneak onto the practice squad as well. And then promote if there was an injury. Uh, but, but that's, you know, this is the, the roster gymnastics, so to speak. So trading Hines, getting a, a late round pick for him back, Maybe it's something where they're not happy at a position and there's another team that's deep at a, a spot where the Bills are looking to add a player. We've seen them do that in the past, trade away, a, you know, player X for a, a cornerback or whatever the case may be, and I think they're fine at corner. That's just Arguably one of Brandon Bean's best trades to date, Eli Harold for Ryan Bates. I yeah. mean, you've, getting, you've gotten a starter quality player for somebody that you were going to cut. Yeah, and there was a... They sent, I want to say it was a receiver to the Panthers for a cornerback early on. And now I can't think of either of their names off the top of my head. But they've done some things, player for player type trades, um, where sometimes it worked out like the one you just mentioned, sometimes not as much. You get a contributor here and there. But it's something where I think Hines is definitely on that roster bubble. Wide receiver, I think, is pretty straightforward. I think that you got a guy in Justin Shorter who 
is his main value, I think, in his rookie season is going to be what he does as a four-tool special teams player. And so I think that his roster spot, unless he's completely lost out there on special teams, is pretty much set in stone. He's an athletic freak. You can do multiple things with him. You can also maybe, you know, groom him in that early Jake Kumaro-esque Isaiah Hodgins role as that six wide receiver, be somebody that you lean on in certain situations. If you like how he progresses throughout the summer. And then I think it's the big five. It's Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis, uh, Khalil Shakir, Trent Sherfield, and Deontay Hardy. And funny enough, Ryan, we were out at the wing nuts on Friday night and, and one, uh, Awesome Bills fan who had uh, takes on takes on takes was pounding the table that Khalil Shakir was going to be a roster bubble cut at the end of at the end of the summer. He was talking some smack with his buddies there. Listen, I I can't get on board with that. Um, I, I love the energy and the takes and the ideas. I think from what everything that I've seen, Khalil Shakir is probably on pace more so for a role that people aren't expecting him to have. And I think Gabe Davis found a way in crowded wide receivers rooms his rookie year with John Brown. Uh, Cole Beasley, uh, Diggs, to find a way to fit in and get chances despite everybody saying that there weren't any there to be had. So I think Shakir's already shown in one year an ability to do that. I think Sherfield is a plan for him. Hardy, I also think that there's a lot of juice potentially there as well. I think they go with six wide receivers. If not, Shorter ends up being a guy that you try to get on your practice squad if you want a spot somewhere else. Yeah, and Shorter is someone that if he's on the 53, he, he might be inactive a lot of the times. He might be a core special teamer, might not get a lot of offensive reps, but I, I like that six. And, you know, in terms of Shakir, just on him real quick, he can play all three positions at wide receiver. So that makes him very, it makes him an asset to this team. And he, he you saw his rep count go up over the course of the year, especially late in the season because of his blocking ability. That's mm-hmm. something that I think is underrated in his game, something where they they put some assets into the running game, into run blocking, so he could be out there in that regard. Um, and again, people forget that in that Miami Dolphins playoff game, he would have had over 100 yards receiving had he not dropped that deep ball before halftime. He still had a really nice game. Uh, I want to say it was his best game up, up until like uh, before week three. And I really, I thought he had a solid effort against Pittsburgh, if I'm rem- remembering correctly. So uh, he was coming on late in the year. That's what you wanted to see out of the rookie. So yeah, I, I don't see him being that uh, cut candidate, despite again, like you said, great conversation at Wingnuts on Friday night. Let's get into the lines. We'll start on the offensive line. Um, we don't have a date, by the way, for the next wing nut, so stay tuned for that. I think tentatively we're looking at July 23rd, if you want to write that in pencil somewhere, just in case you're starting to plan things. But uh, we don't have an official date. As soon as we do, you'll see it on all our social media platforms, so stay tuned for that. Uh, and also, welcome to the party, Manscaped. So, <laughs> funny story about this. I think we talked about it on the podcast on Friday, so we don't have to get too far into the weeds here. Some just absolutely um, gut-busting laughter, uh, spending about 34 minutes to record four 90-second reads. Uh, Some of those outtakes we're going to have to put out at some point, Ryan. Yeah, it was a great time. You know, like you said, four 90-second reads, you think we would be cutting and clearing out. But uh, it took a little bit longer for us as we could not stop laughing. But Bill's Mafia that's uh, watching this, that's listening, uh, go head over to manscape.com, use the code shout for 20% off their products. And listen, like they sent us both the package, uh, the performance package 4.0. And this isn't like a, 
they're, they're actually sponsoring the audio version of the podcast, but I feel compelled to say we both tried out the products and they were outstanding. I mean, I, I, I loved them. We don't have to get too far into the weeds, if you will, nice. but it was a great product. Uh, I'm, I'm one time through. I'm looking forward to getting the lawnmower back out. And, you know, listen, there's nothing like a summer cut, right? Like you get a beer, put on the, the AirPods, you run out and you do, uh, uh, you know, you cut the lawn and uh, bask in the sunshine. So that's what you can do. That's right. And some free goodies as well. If you, you get that performance package, uh, boxers and a, a bag to hold all the goodies for your goodies. Yes, sir. All right. Let's get into the lines here. Um, we're going to start with the offensive line. And Ryan, I was really trying to figure out a way to execute some type of kind of trade with one of these guys. Like Ike Butker was a guy that came to mind, maybe even a David Edwards. But man, I just, I really think you built this depth. And I think there's other positions that you can maybe get, accumulate some assets with some trades in the summer and August that I really like going into this season with options, with 10 offensive linemen. So I didn't make any trades. I have the Bills keeping 10 offensive linemen at the final 53. You got Deion Dawkins, Spencer Brown, Tommy Doyle, Brandon Shell, Ryan Bates. Then you have um, David Edwards, Connor McGovern, Osiris Torrance, Ike Butker. I'm keeping him. And who was the 10th? That was the 10th. You, you rattled off nine. That a boy. That's what I like about you. You're always on your math game, Ryan Talbot. So, yeah, I, I got them keeping 10. I like all of those options. It gives you plenty of ideas. Should you get into the season? Should you have to pivot off of that first iteration of five? And it gives you options if somebody goes down. I mean, the Bills have been generally pretty healthy. But if you lose Mitch Morse and Ryan Bates ends up earning one of those starting guard spots, that's going to really upend your plans. And I think just having options – uh, unless somebody just isn't cutting, maybe a Brandon Shell gets into camp. You know, David Questenberry. I think he's at the at the stage of his career where you can cut him, bring him back on the practice squad. But Shell, I know there's a lot of people talking about him being a comp- competition for Spencer Brown. I don't think it's super competitive there, Ryan. Like this is not an uh, like I know he started a lot of games in this league, but there's a reason why he keeps going from team to team after starting a bunch of games for teams because you know he's on the lower end. Uh, of things in the league at the position. So I just think for me, I, if I'm Brandon Bean, sure. It, it would be great to get a pick back, but I also like giving Aaron Cromer and Ken Dorsey options. Yeah. So shall uh, the point in which they signed him well after the draft late into free agency, the price point uh, leads me to believe that, you know, he's not a guaranteed on spot on this roster, but he's definitely not competition for Spencer Brown. As long as Brown comes out and looks healthy, looks uh, like he, and I, I don't want to say looks like he has, because I feel like there's been a, a lot of misplays on his part, but I, I feel like the job is his for the taking minus an absolute disastrous summer. Uh, of the guys you mentioned, Questenberry, who didn't make this, I could see him potentially being a trade option. Now, you know, in the past, the Bills were able to trade a guy like Russell Bodine for a day three pick. So I think Questenberry with a lot of starts under his belt, some uh, position versatility, uh, someone like that could have some value elsewhere. But in Buffalo's eyes, I think in an ideal world, if he doesn't make the roster, they would love to have him as one of their veterans on their practice squad. But Overall, I really do like the lineman that you you kept. Uh, it'll be interesting to see Tommy Doyle. Obviously, he had yeah. a season-ending injury last year as well. 
Uh, so to kind of monitor his progress too and his return will be something to keep an eye on. Yeah, Doyle to me is the one wild card because I, you know, again, a fifth round draft pick. If we're looking for a trade candidate, maybe he ends up being that guy, right? Like if you really like what you have in Spencer Brown and you now have Shell, you have Questenberry, maybe he's in the mix. Maybe you want to move a guy like Doyle who has all those high-end potential and, and there just hasn't been a lot of tape on him. If you can get a yield back a sixth round, seventh round draft pick, that might be a direction that, that Bean wants to go. Yeah, I think when they ended up getting Brown and Doyle in, in the, the same draft, they they kind of followed that mold of really big, really athletic guys. But both players, especially in the case of Doyle, uh, really raw, really needed some development. And an injury like that could potentially, you know, stunt that development that they're, they were trying to get with him. So if he's maybe not where they hope he is at this point in time, maybe he is someone that they, they look to move, especially uh, because teams are always looking for young offensive tackles, uh, players that they think could maybe fit in the mold of what they're trying to do. In my 53 man projection, I have, I got a really aggressive Ryan. I got three trades uh, that the bills are going to make in August, uh, which probably very unlikely, but I think it's fun to kind of think about, you know, what this looks like. And maybe one of these guys ends up being a cut. I don't think the defensive back that I have, uh, we'll talk about in a moment will, would be a cut. Um, but I think you can maybe get something back for him. Uh, we'll get there in a second, but let's go to the defensive line. Von Miller. I have starting the year on pup. I, I just think that what we've heard coming out of one bill's drive the last couple of weeks um, on the heels of the Leonard Floyd edition is it's going to be a slow play for Von Miller to get back. I don't think they're going to rush him back out week one. And if you can get that six-week window uh, to really get a lot of snaps for Floyd, get him comfortable in the defense while you know letting Von Miller take the time to, to you know get back, I think that's a good spot. So I have the Bills then keeping nine defensive linemen. And stay with me here. Five defensive tackles, four defensive ends. I have him keeping Greg Rousseau, Leonard Floyd, Boogie Basham, Kingsley, Jonathan. We'll go through the defensive tackles, but we'll get back to the, the edges. Ed Oliver, Daquan Jones, Jordan Phillips, Puna Ford, and Tim Settle are, are all capped. So if you've so if you're kind of looking at the depth chart there, you're probably sitting there like, where's AJ Epinesa? Listen, I don't think that we live in a world where AJ Epinesa gets cut. I, I just think a former second round pick. It just doesn't have that kind of feeling. And who knows? He could have a great summer and completely make me look like an idiot here. But here's the thing. Kingsley Jonathan's cut at the end of the 53. Uh, when you're getting down to 53, somebody's going to pick him up. It's going to be the same Chicago Bears situation as last year. I think um, that they're high on him. And I think that with the addition of Floyd, you now have the ability to move on off of AJ Epinesa or Boogie Basham. And I know some people are probably sitting there like, I'd much rather keep Epinesa over Basham based on what we've seen the first two years from Boogie. But you have that extra year of control. Like you're, he's not going to hit free agency for another two years. And I just think that we haven't seen a large enough sample size yet to really judge that unless you're really comfortable with him not being at a certain level. And then I think Shaq Lawson is a guy that, Nobody was ba banging down his door to get him back. I think you could sneak him out of the practice squad. He, you know, this is so interesting because Kingsley Jonathan is like that wild card in the defensive end room. Very small sample size, not a ton of tape from him in terms of his time in Buffalo, but he had a really good game against the Bears last year. I thought he popped at times. 
Uh, so what does he look like now, another year into the system, a whole offseason to kind of uh, get up to speed? Can he force his way onto the roster? And if he does and it comes down to a Boogie Basham, AJ Epineza, who do we keep, who do we try to trade away? You know, you mentioned the, the extra year on the contract, the rookie contract for Basham. That's one thing. Two, I just think there's more value at this point for an AJ Epineza coming off of a six-and-a-half sack season. Mm-hmm. There are teams always looking for players that can be part of their rotation, that can get after the quarterback. Uh, Epinez is kind of at that point where I think you count on him for at least a handful of sacks, depending on the scheme, depending on what you're trying to get him to do. Shaq Lawson, uh, I like him at times last year, post Von Miller's injury. He was one of their best defensive ends in some games, if not the best in a few games. Uh, but you mentioned it. There wasn't a market for him this year after he came back and played with the Bills last year. It, it's at that point where could we get him onto the practice squad? It, it's certainly possible. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if you want to jump into the defensive tackles here. I'll let you list them in a minute. But for for the DNs, I'm intrigued by the Leonard Floyd signing. I like the fact that they brought in a uh, player that had nine sacks last season, still is playing at a very high level uh, because of what it means when Von Miller ultimately returns. And you have two guys that have, you know, played together, two guys that know one another. You have a young player in Greg Rousseau who is showing great strides or showed great strides from year one to year two. So then you have a really good one through three at minimum. Uh, so I do like that. I like keeping some younger players like a Kingsley Jonathan, if he has a strong summer in the mix as well. Yeah. So for the defensive tackles, it's interesting because you could probably go maybe four defensive tackles and then keep a shack or keep an AJ Epinesa, depending on how that all shakes out. But I have three guys that are like in pen locks, you know, Ed Oliver, Daquan Jones, Puna Ford. Then it gets a little interesting because I think I'd probably put Jordan Phillips in that lock category, but he struggles to stay healthy. I mean, he's working back from another injury. He's not been able to do really anything this spring. And to his credit, he's been out there participating, doing the work off to the side, being a part of defensive meeting rooms. But I think that's a little bit of a wild card, too. If you don't feel confident that he can be available, maybe you look to maybe move him or move off of him uh, and and maybe reinvest in Tim Settle in terms of uh, opportunity because – he didn't get a chance to play a ton of snaps last year. At times, it kind of ebbed and flowed. Maybe if you think, all right, got him into our system for one year. I think he has a download of what ne- what he needs to do to, to be more available. Him as that 4-D tackle based on what I think both of us thought he was going to be going into last year could be a, a really nice piece for this defensive line group. And maybe you feel more comfortable keeping four in that, in that, in that spot. Also... Puna Ford was a starter for most of his time in Seattle. He's not going to be that anymore. You know, you have a lot of room uh, for him to maybe grow in that number one backup role. Yeah. You know, the defensive tackle room, the defensive end room, both are really deep. And you're right. You could flip it and do five uh, DNs for defensive tackles or some other variation. But I'm really interested to watch that bottom of the, the roster there, especially between Phillips and, and Settle and, Settle was someone I had sky high expectations for last year as part of that rotation. And it just never came to be. I, I watched a lot of Washington commanders and he was always popping on in those games. And he was on a D line with nothing but first round picks when he was, you know, rotated in. So it didn't happen year one in Buffalo again, year two, another year of familiarity in the system. Will we see him make the, you know, those strides, those gains? I would like to think so. Uh, but he has to have a strong summer to kind of prove that he should be that number four, that clear cut number four option. Phillips, you mentioned that the health is an issue when you, you know, healthy very early on in the year. And we're talking 
uh, obviously the the Rams game and part of that Titans game, he was a difference maker in those in those matchups. But then he started dealing with injuries and shoulder injuries and and things like that. Where if you're not able to use your hands and attack, which is something a defensive tackle has to do on a regular basis, you're going to be very limited when you're out there. You're going to be you're going to disappear at times, which he did when he was back out there after coming back from these injuries. So um, it'll be interesting to watch that potential battle i love the top three though daquan jones came in last year really established himself as a force on that d line uh really helped clean up a lot of the run stop issues that uh this unit had in years past where every year it felt like they were finishing top five defense but running the you know the run defense at times they could get uh they could give up a lot of yardage a lot and have that happen quite a bit it didn't happen last year, and, and Jones is a big factor there. Oliver getting the extension uh, shows how much or how highly this team thinks of him. And Puna Ford, like you said, was a starter for uh, the majority of his career there in Seattle and will be a fun uh, addition to this D-line room. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. What's up, everybody? Matt Perino here one half of the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast, here today to talk to you about Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app with more than 5 million members. It is the most fun and exciting way to get in on the action while you watch your favorite sports and players. You just pick more or less on two or more player stats for a shot to win up to 100 times your cash. Testing your skills on Prize Picks this playoff basketball season is the most simple way to get in on the action. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and submit your lineup. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what makes Prize Picks the number one fantasy sports app. Download the app today and use code SHOUT, S H O U T, for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, Download the app today and use code SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, for a first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. All right, we got two big position groups left. Obviously, don't have to talk anything about the special teams. It's a lock. Three in, Tyler Bass, Reed Ferguson, Sam Martin, over and done with. I have 16 more players uh, between the defensive backs room and the linebackers making this roster. We'll start at linebackers before we close up with one of the more intriguing position battles and um, ways that I went in this 53-man roster projection. So we'll talk about that in a moment. Linebacker. I think it's pretty clear-cut with the top five. Matt Milano, Terrell Bernard, uh, Tyrell Dotson, uh, Dorian Williams, and Balen Spector. I think Balen Specter is in a, in, in a point where I kind of put him in that, you know, I, I expect him to be a four-tool special teams player, uh, a depth linebacker. They love him. They love his offseason, the work that he's put in. So I'm kind of putting him in that group of five locks. Um, and then it's, like, going to be interesting. Like, Tyler Medakiewicz is still on this roster, and we know why. It's for special teams, and he can play linebacker in a pinch. So you probably think you'd kind of inch him over into that lock area but if you have some other guys that are like if Dotson doesn't win the middle linebacker spot or if Balen Spector becomes that linebacker standout on special teams Matikevich all of a sudden becomes a little bit more expendable and now you're maybe thinking about do I keep AJ Klein as like a backup because like listen if you're not sold on Williams Bernard or Dotson 
you could plug and play AJ Klein and be fine with that because you've seen it over the last couple of years. Now he's a little bit older. We'll see how that goes. But for me, I have those six making it. AJ Klein is the odd man out. I have Medikevich making it. And then the Bills trying to get him back on practice squad, which I wouldn't, I don't think would be very hard. Yeah, I, I agree. Milano, Dorian Williams, Terrell Bernard, those guys are and Dotson are all locks to make this roster. I'm not as sold on on Balen Spectre based on where he was drafted. But when you look at his athletic scores, when you look at what he could potentially be, it wouldn't shock me if the Bills were high on him. And if he has a, a solid camp, he claims one of those spots. A.J. Klein is in that same boat as the Shaq Lawsons that we've talked about, the David Questenberries that we've talked about. These are veteran players that if they get caught, could there be a market for them? Potentially. But a, a guy like A.J. Klein was sitting on the market for a long time this summer before the Bills brought him back. Uh, you look at the age, you look at how many teams maybe his skill set fits these days. Uh, I don't think it's as many as it was five, six years ago, obviously. So he's someone that you could potentially get onto your practice squad. That being said, if you leave training camp and you are still not sure who your guy is going to be in terms of replacing Tremaine Edmonds, I think that improves Klein's chances of making this roster because you want someone that at least has a few years of experience in this system. And yes, there's a significant drop off in terms of his coverage ability and what he could do in that regard. Uh, but you know what he brings from a pass rush perspective, what he can do in, as a run stopper. Uh, you can utilize him and maybe give him a handful of snaps each game, whether it's dots and starting or whether it's one of the young guys and kind of mix him in. You don't want to give him a full-time role or a major role, but you are at least more comfortable potentially with him than some of these other players. If no one really shines or stands out this summer. So uh, again, Klein, it wouldn't shock me if he made the roster, but I also like the scenario where he's up there in age. He's familiar with Buffalo. I think he'd be okay uh, saying, yeah, I can be on your practice squad. I can be elevated a few times and knowing how the NFL game works with injuries. It might not be long before I actually get signed to that main roster. In the defensive backs uh, room, I'm going to start with safety only because I think it's a quicker conversation. Hyde, Poyer, and Rap, Lock City. Uh, beyond that, obviously, I think it's going to be about watching the progression of DeMar Hamlin over the summer. You know, if he's all systems go, plays in the preseason, I think he probably beats out Dean Marlowe and you, you find a way to bring Dean Marlowe back on the practice squad. But if not, maybe you start DeMar Hamlin on the pup list Go with Marlowe as your four safety. You know all the different things that he can do. And again, similar to Von Miller, just slow play things for DeMar Hamlin. Maybe maybe it ends up being entire 2023 is like a, you know, just getting on the practice field, going through those reps in those types of scenarios before you really ratchet things up, you know, again. And I know that's crazy to kind of to think about, Ryan, because he's come so far in such a short amount of time. But we could get to pads go on in training camp and that could, you know, maybe just shift things a little bit, depending on how he responds. This yeah. There, there's long. so there's so much star power on this team, but if there's one player to watch this summer, I think it is DeMar Hamlin because there's those mental hurdles and there's those physical hurdles that you have to go through. And yeah, I'm sure that he feels like he's probably cleared certain hurdles being out there practicing, but it's the tackling Brandon Bean has mentioned this. Uh, it's the physicality. It's the taking the hits. Um, going out there and, you know, 
having to experience not anything similar to what happened on that night in Cincinnati, but the first time he takes a hat, how is he going to respond to it? Uh, is he going to be hesitant whatsoever? Those are those hurdles that he has to clear this summer. And who knows, maybe it won't even be an issue for him. Every person is different when it comes to coming back from injuries. And what Hamlin went through is not just an injury by, by any means. I don't want to downplay the severity of what had happened on that night, but every player is different too, in terms of overcoming these obstacles. And uh, he is someone though, that I, I will be watching. I know you'll be watching to see how he handles that. The good news for him and, and the good news for this bills team is you have a, a strong one through three in front of him with Poyer, with Hyde. And then obviously, obviously with rap and, you know, Poyer was injured throughout the season. They lost Hyde in week two of last year for the year. Um, that was significantly different than what we've seen from that safety duo throughout their tenure in this with this team. Uh, but if they're back and they play the majority of the season, you have Rapp as your number three. That's one of the strongest safety rooms, if not the strongest safety room in the NFL. All right, let's finish with cornerback. I got the Bills keeping six, and that means there's going to be plenty of really tough decisions. I think that there's three. Lock them in. There's no way these these three don't make this roster, and that's Tredavious White, Kyer Elam, or Christian Benford. And I know that there's been a lot of talk about, all right, if Kyer Elam doesn't feel like he's taking a step, maybe entertain a trade for him. But I just still think that there's too much upside on a rookie contract for that kind of talent. And actually, I didn't get the chance to catch the whole thing, but he was on cover one the other night uh, on their film room. Uh, they do a nice job with those. And I was listening to him talk a little bit, and you could tell that how much he's taken what happened last season, compartmentalized it, and applied it to this season. He knows what he has to do, where he needs to improve, and I think a lot of that's going to come from time on task. So I'm not ready to move off of that yet. You know, I, I know that there's some you know, uneasiness about where he sits with the organization right now because of some of the stuff that's come out. Just Brandon Bean with that, you know, comment that we talked about a couple of weeks ago during his press conference, I thought was really strange. And we talked about that on a re recent episode, but I, I got those three locked in. Then I have Saran Neal for obvious reasons. He's one of their special teams. Gunners uh, can play multiple spots, probably could play all three spots if you need them. So you got Neal. Obviously, Taron Johnson is a lock. Uh, you kind of almost forget about him at times because he he plays cornerback in the slot, but he's kind of like a hybrid linebacker. I probably should have put him in, in that group. Uh, half the time he's over there practicing with Matt Milano uh, during individual work. But then it, it gets really, really interesting. I really wanted to keep Alex Austin on this roster, Ryan. Mm -hmm. I really did. And I obviously didn't mention Dane Jackson either. There's one spot left now. Right. And I mentioned Austin. I mentioned mentioned Dane Jackson. But here's what I want to do on the 53 man roster. I'm going to trade Dane Jackson. I'm going to have him be a late August trade because of how much they like Benford and they have Kyrie Elam and because how much they like this next guy who I'm having make the roster over Alex Austin, over Cam Lewis. I think Jamarcus Ingram is the big, splashy, surprise roster. The number 53 spot goes to Jamarcus Ingram. What do you think about this? You know, that was where maybe that spicy emoji came in when we were talking earlier. It's Dane Jackson's that player where I have him on my 53. I think a lot of Bills fans would have them on their 53. But I also like the idea of ripping the Band-Aid off, so to speak. And 
Uh, he is that band-aid for that cornerback room in terms of he's not going to get beat for the deep play. He's going to keep the plays in front of him. He's a solid tackler, but there's a limited ceiling for him. And, and by keeping him on this roster, you're preventing yourself from giving Kyir Elam, who has a much higher ceiling in terms of his athletic profile, even Christian Benford. You're limiting their reps and you're anticipating Tredavious White, you know, a year and a half removed from this injury at this point, uh, coming back, looking like his old self in terms of the cutting ability, the coverage ability. And you want to make sure these young guys get their reps because before long, you know, you know what you hope Elam can be based on being a first round pick. You've seen flashes of what Benford can be. And the only way to keep their development going is to give them significant reps. And Dane Jackson is kind of that roadblock in their way. So I like it from that perspective. Obviously, you mentioned, you know, Taron Johnson, one of the best slot cornerbacks in this league. Uh, and, and then when it comes to those final spots, Saran Neal, special teams guru, um, someone that they really do like on this team. But Ingram's a, a great name to watch in terms of his ceiling, his development. You know, Cam Lewis uh, was someone that was very similar to Ingram in terms that I think the Bills like his upside. They like what he could do. But at this point, they might lean toward Ingram over a guy like Cam Lewis. They might go with the draft pick, too, like Alex Austin, who played in a, a defense that had played a lot of different types of looks, but including a zone scheme. So if he comes in and picks up this defense a la Christian Benford one year ago, he could definitely make some noise for that last spot as well. So while I think Dane Jackson right now makes this team, I love the move because of what it means for uh, helping Elam and Benford with their development. Yeah, and the Cam Lewis one's tough. Perception is so important when you're kind of playing the numbers game at the end. And I think, like, what's the first thing you think of of, of Cam Lewis if you're another team, another, you know, decision-maker, evaluator? The Justin Jefferson play, right? Like, when he, you know, made a very, very critical mistake in a big spot, I think the Bills know that's not the player that Cam Lewis is. And I think the upside is still very high. You know, this is obviously a pro Cam Lewis podcast. It has been for many years here, but I just think that if you're starting to kind of weed through things and what certain guys do, I mean, they don't play him much on the outside um, anymore as much as they did early in his career, even though I know he could probably do that plays, play some safety, play some you know nickel corner. And so now with a guy like Austin there, um, some other, you know, Christian Benford, who has some versatility as well. I just think it makes him a little bit more expendable. And I think Ingram has some real potential as an outside corner. And if you start looking down the road a little bit, you know, Tredavious White, you mentioned it, like you're banking on him being healthy, but past this year, you know, depending on how things materialize, he's, he's making a lot of money. And you're going to start looking for ways to eliminate some of those costs. And I'm not saying moving on from Tredavious White, but I'm saying, you want to kind of buffer your roster with or just kind of like cushion it with options when you're dealing with their certain guys at different positions. I think you could say the same thing about Deion Dawkins. And I'm not saying plan to move on from the player. I'm saying plan to have players worth considering if you're forced to. Yeah, you want to have that next man up if forced to. And right now, I don't think they have that in, in terms of the Deion Dawkins case. I think they're in a better spot in the Trey White case with, with your Elams, with your Benfords of the world. Uh, but obviously, if White does come back and look like the player that he was pre-injury, that'll be a, a discussion that we don't have then for a few, you know, 
it probably plays out that contract because of how good he was pre-injury, how solid he is in this system. But we all know that sometimes players coming back from those serious uh, injuries don't always come back to form and they hit a certain age or certain point. So it is important for the Bills to give these younger players reps. And that's exactly what would happen in this scenario if they were to trade Dane Jackson. All right. Uh, he had an awesome uh, weekend helping us out produce uh, the Shout podcast. Uh, so I thought no better time than right now to have uh, Peter DiBiase make his Shout debut, the uh, official summer producer of Shout, a Buffalo Bills football podcast, contributor at Syracuse.com and NewYorkUpstate.com. What's up, Peter? How are you, buddy? I'm doing good, guys. How are you guys? Good. I can't complain, man. Things are good. Uh, so I, I I said you're going to have the final segment, and mm-hmm. I want you to bring into the show what you liked the most about that 53, man, and maybe something where something you didn't love and maybe maybe want to push back on something. Hit us with. Yeah, so this is from the running back or the skill position segment earlier in the show. Uh, Matt, you brought this up, I believe. Naeem Hines trade. Something that I actually like because it's something that I didn't think of, like, going into the offseason as a possibility. But when you mentioned it, I wrote it down right away and I started like pondering in my head. And I was like, that's not a bad option because you have obviously James Cook, you have Damian Harris going to be that RB1, RB2. And the Latavius Murray signing is kind of interesting because he's produced not on a crazy high level at every stop, but he's produced at a pretty good level at every stop he's made in his NFL career. And the Bills clearly didn't use nine minds last year he had nine total offensive snaps and with the special teams new rule where you get the ball at the 25 yard line on a fair catch uh, but not in the end zone then it kind of gets his role kind of decreased so if you kind of can trade him for what you traded him for it's not a bad option right like i don't think anybody's really talking about that i don't know if the bills do that but it's something that if i saw on my twitter timeline i would kind of be satisfied with because i think it's someone that probably might not be used as much as we would like, unless the Bills really feel satisfied with their plan, what Ken Dorsey has in the off, in this training camp. But if they don't and they're like, he's not going to get that many snaps a game and we like Latavius Murray, James Cook and Damian Harris are not going to come off the field, then why not trade him? It's hard to keep a running back three that's going to be really need to use him in the passing game. It's like you don't see that that much, especially for the Bills. Ryan, in a scenario where Hines is off the roster and those are the three backs that the Bills go into the season with, how comfortable do you feel if, say, a James Cook were to go down for an extended period of time with just Harris and Murray on the roster? I think the the pass catchability greatly drops in, in that case. But in terms of running the ball, uh, I don't think there's much of a confidence drop, I guess is the best way to play it, because there is, there is a talent drop. James Cook would have led the league last year in yards per carry had he qualified. So he is a very talented runner as well. But Murray, like we said, 500 yards rushing every season minus his rookie year. He had one really good year, I believe, with Baltimore uh, where he eclipsed that 1,000-yard mark. And then Damian Harris, too. Health perspective, yes, something to kind of monitor, but also really solid running back. So I wouldn't have any concerns or worries there. Um, So I, I guess it wouldn't be the worst thing in that scenario. And you know, Hines, if, if the Bills were actually utilizing him more last year and we saw some glimpses of what he could bring to the offense, I think it would be a, a bigger loss than what we're letting on. All right, Peter, hit me with what you didn't like. Give me your pushback. 
The one thing I didn't like, and it's the defensive back room, more importantly, the cornerback room, just mentioned it, the Dane Jackson trade. I don't think it's a bad idea to trade Dane Jackson. I just don't like him not being on the roster. It kind of scares me just a bit, right? So you have Trey White locked in as the cornerback one, but he's still coming off an ACL injury, and he wasn't clearly 100% last year. Then you have, obviously, they battle for CB2 with Kair Elam and Christian Benford. But God forbid, and I'm, I'm knocking on wood right here, one of those two go down, either Kair Elam or Christian Benford for a couple of games, or one of them clearly struggles throughout the regular season. I would be very concerned if I was just left with Trey White, let's say Kair Elam, and then like a Jamarcus Ingram or like a Siren Neal after that Kair Elam. Like I think you need that veteran presence in Dane Jackson. And We've shown the Bills like to use Dane Jackson, and a lot of Bills fans don't like that. There's times where he was actually probably better than the stats let on, but there's also times that he made some costly mistakes. But I think not having him on the roster puts a lot of pressure on the depth with Kyrie, Elam, and Benford. But Elam is a first-round pick, so you expect him to be that cornerback too, but we haven't seen it so far, even though I think down the stretch uh, for Elam, he was very good. I'm just afraid of not having Dane Jackson on that roster, what happens if those two struggle, someone gets injured, and then you're kind of scrambling for a third corner if either Elon or Benford go down. And especially if Trey White doesn't come back fully healthy and something happens there, I just think you need Dane Jackson depth-wise. I do The trade's not a bad idea, but I still I, I think Dane Jackson probably should be on this roster. I think, I think you bring up a good point, and I think had this – been the exercise three, four weeks ago, I probably don't get this aggressive with it because I do agree with you. I think Dane Jackson gives you a baseline level of security, um, whether it be going into the season or should an injury pop up. But I think they upgraded that security in adding Cam Dantzler, who I think has been better in the NFL than Dane Jackson already, is a higher profile player from where he was drafted and a guy that if I remember correctly, Ryan was somebody that the bills were pretty keen on back during the draft cycle, a couple of drafts ago before he ended up getting selected by Minnesota. Now he popped up here when they signed him, he on a one-year deal, he um, I think he practiced one day and then he kind of disappeared. So I don't know what's going on with him If he just wasn't practicing or what that situation is or where that even lies, but the dancer thing has to be like we get to training camp and he's competing and he's in the mix for me to really be full goal all the way with this idea. But I think Ingram is the kind of guy that he's Dane Jackson three years ago, isn't he? Like I know Dane Jackson was a seventh round draft pick, but Jamarcus Ingram was an, a, a priority UDFA who has size. And I think a little bit, if you go back and watch, Ingram from last year. I think you'd come away being a you'd come away saying, wow, I think his his reaction time and his recoverability stands out a little bit more than Dane Jackson on a regular basis. Now I love Dane Jackson's I'm gonna roll my sleeves up and compete. And I think it's unfair to take the reps where Dane Jackson was out there in for Trey White into effect as CB1 when evaluating him because now you you figure he's going to be out there with Trey White, which changes the dynamic of his job and his responsibility. Um, but this just comes down to the depth being there and prioritizing the path for Elam. I don't think this is something the Bills are going to do, Ryan. This is also an exercise. It's important to note, this is an exercise of like what 
a could happen and a fun idea that I think could be executed. Again, don't think it's necessarily realistic. Well, and, and that's fair. And again, Dancer was an all rookie team, uh, PFWA player. He, uh, he's got into the doghouse there a little bit in, in Minnesota with Mike Zimmer and, uh, potentially even last year with the, with the new regime, but the, the talent is there. You have Ingram and Cam Lewis who are familiar with the system and, I'm sure the Bills also look at their upside and their talent and say, could they realistically be in, in play for one of those final cornerback spots? Yes. But if one or two of those guys step up in training camp, it, it at least makes your uh, idea of trading Dane Jackson more realistic. So it's something to certainly monitor. All right, Peter. i got to plug in my uh, laptop here so we don't die. But final thought, this is your big debut. Hit, us, hit people with it. Like, where do you come from? What are you doing this summer? Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, um, I'm from Westchester, New York, about 45 minutes an hour from New York City. I have I'm going to be a senior or one, one semester left at Providence College, uh, communication media major. I got my own podcast called the Talking Sports Podcast. If you guys want to check that out, that's all sports. So it's not just Bills; it's football, basketball, all that fun stuff. But yeah, and I'm interning for you guys, and I had a fun time at Wing Nuts on Friday. The wings were good. Uh, the beers were actually were good, and yeah, it was a fun show. We got to meet Nate Geary, which was awesome, as well as you guys for the first time. So I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, man, we enjoyed having you out. Uh, you did a great job producing. There's a lot of, you know, as Anthony and AJ know before you, there is a lot of moving parts to these live shows when you're producing them. Like, especially now with the setup that we have, like making sure the audio is working in-house and then the audio is working for everybody watching at home. You did a, a great job. Uh, Ryan, hit us with your final thought. Yeah, final thought, Bills Mafia training camp about a month away, uh, less than a month away. A lot of people uh, upset today not being able to get those tickets, but hopefully uh, the the crowd will be packed. I'm sure it will be every day at St. John Fisher College. Always a good time there. All right, he's Peter. He's Ryan. I'm Matt. Uh, we're going to have you uh, covered with so many fun uh, episodes over the next uh, week plus. I'm going on vacation uh, Sunday. Uh, over the 4th of July, a uh, couple days there, but we are recording a bunch of podcasts this week. Uh, most of them will come out this week and then we'll sprinkle them in uh, to the holiday week as well. Uh, we got you covered. We're not going to leave you hanging uh, here on shot. We appreciate uh, your support. Uh, we'll have the live show on Wednesday night. Don't miss that. I think we might even get uh, Dan Fates on there to uh, recall the uh, media golf tournament that we, uh, you know, won. You know, I don't want to brag, but you know. All right, we're out of here. Take care, everybody. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.